0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. You're listening to WNYC's podcast, featuring the best 2018 midterms coverage from our talk shows and our award-winning local newsroom. Keep in mind, some segments may be edited for length. You can find the full shows on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tanzina Vega, and this is The Takeaway when we'd go to towns, people weren't waiting around for the government to do something great for them or to bail them out if things were bad, or to even create something new if things were kind of okay. That's journalist and writer Deb Fallows. She and her husband James traveled across the country visiting small towns where they observed local leadership firsthand. They were acting from their local needs and experience and assets. To take charge and make things happen in a way that would help solve some of their problems, like the mill closed or the mine closed, and do it on terms that made sense for where they were locally.
1: And here are two illustrations, both from Pennsylvania's, uh, places we spent a lot of time, Allentown and Erie. In Allentown, as you know, there's been a big ethnic change. It went from being largely Pennsylvania Dutch to being largely Latino over the past generation or so. There are frictions with that economic, ethnic, and all, all the rest. But but on the whole, there's been a sense, I think, from the local and state government leadership that they were together in trying to, to bring Allentown back. A Starker was in Erie, Pennsylvania, where people who are of our vintage, Deb and I are from the dreaded boomer generation. People who are (laughs) our contemporaries, they have seen the GE plant there get smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think they would, many of them, if you ask them, are you angry? They'll say, yeah, we're angry. Erie's going to hell. I remember this plant was working three shifts, et cetera. But the generation down from that, people in their 20s and 30s, largely refugees who were part of the, the new entrepreneurial class in Erie. I think there is a sense of kind of get out of the way, Grandpa, we're going to, we see some different possibilities here.
2: I'm not Pollyanna, I'm not blind to what's going on in our country. I do think there are menaces abroad and at home to the stability of our republic and to our democracy. But slash and, one of the things that is so exciting about our time right now, everywhere I turn, I see people starting to get literate in power and figuring out how they can start claiming voice on different issues that matter to them where they live.
0: And that's Eric Liu. He's CEO of Citizens University and executive director of the Aspen Institute's Citizen and American Identity Program. He, like the Fallows, is
2: hopeful with what he's seeing. I'm not just making a call for people to say, retreat, go local, be parochial. I actually think we're in an age of what I call networked localism, where citizens who are working on, say, gun responsibility and gun reform in Cleveland are webbing up with people who are doing that in the Bronx and they're webbing up with people who are doing it in San Bernardino, right? Same thing on the $15 minimum wage where Seattle, where I live, was at the cutting edge, right? But we worked with folks in the Bronx and in San Jose and in Kansas City and other places to exchange playbooks and to kind of think about strategy about um, how do you frame this fight and how do you build support for this uh, in a way that can be uh, applicable to your particular place, but what are some lessons learned that you can apply, right? And I think that is a way of thinking about nationalizing your issues, but not having it be focused on D.C. Um, It's about this web of innovators, left and right, by the way, and and create horizontal scale of citizen power.
0: Do you believe at this time that we have a leadership problem in politics or a citizenship problem in politics?
2: (laughs) What a great question. I I mean, I think we have both. Uh, I think we have uh, certainly in national politics elected leaders who are beholden to a not only to a a narrow set of interests, but beholden to a set of mythologies that are really disconnected um, from the lives that people are living. Either mythologies about how America's being overrun and invaded by immigrants, or mythologies about how if you take care of the the, the wealthiest 1%, all their prosperity will leak its way down. These are narratives, but they are mythologies, right? And I think uh, there are too many leaders who are bought into mythologies and have a lot of incentives to stay bought in and get disconnected from people. But I think, frankly, there's also a, a citizenship and followership problem, right? That The great civil rights activist Ella Baker, who was uh, feisty, a great effective organizer, and oftentimes was in tension with uh, Martin Luther King, uh, has a famous line, which is, strong people don't need strong leaders. And her point was, if you just gravitate toward the charismatic, if you just gravitate toward the hero riding in on a horse to save us, if you just gravitate toward either, you know, this is what people thought of young Barack Obama in 2007, 2008. It's what Donald Trump fans thought he was in 1516. 16. You know, you're going to get a very bad kind of politics because it's going to be one where we, the people, absolve ourselves of responsibility for actually solving anything or dealing with each other as co-authors of our politics in our culture. And so the converse of what Ella Baker was saying is that in a society where the people are strong, then the leaders will follow. And you'll get leaders that reflect that. But what you see in the United States and all around the world right now, this tendency toward the authoritarian, this tendency toward uh, the demagogic, you know, has a lot to do with the fact that too many of us as citizens are spectators and customers, not participants uh, and creators.
0: Well, if you spend any time on the Twitterverse, especially political Twitterverse, or spend enough time in Washington, D.C., you would think that the fabric of America is fraying to the point where it's going to disintegrate. What is your take on this? And if it is the case, what do we do about it?
2: I don't think it is the case. And this is a benefit of being based in Seattle, the other Washington. The benefit of that is seeing Um, that all across this country, in small towns and big towns, there are people just fixing stuff. There are people solving problems. There are people trying to bridge divides. There are people trying to uh, formulate ways to have better arguments. There are people trying to create new rituals and new spaces where, uh, you know, in in the wake, and the absence of all the old civic clubs that disappeared over the last generation, the Elks and the Rotaries, there's a new generation of people, often younger people, We're creating their new versions of gathering and their new versions of creating civic capital and new clubs. Right. And uh, I see this everywhere in the country. And so um, what's different, of course, in this age of national politics, where there is a much more pronounced direct threat to the rule of law and direct threat to democratic norms, small d democratic norms, um, is people are realizing I can't just be on the sidelines anymore. Right. I got to get in and play somehow. And so the question I get most often in towns across this country is, "How do I start? Where do I get involved?" And my answer is just join a club. Like it doesn't matter. Like it can be a gardening club, it can be a baseball club, if if it wants to be a homeless, you know, anti-homelessness club. But just the reflexing that muscle that we've let atrophy of how to organize, how to invite people, how to create a common agenda for a set of people to figure out what you want to do together. You know, our citizen muscles are hugely underdeveloped in this country. Our consumer muscles are hugely overdeveloped. So h- who
0: takes the blame
2: for that? We do. Right. I mean, I think in the end, uh, you can say there are systems, uh, not least the marketplace and kind of supercharged, turbocharged capitalism. But it, it takes two to make that dance of capitalism and turbocharged capitalism work. And and we've got to remember uh, that we've got both the power and the responsibility to not just be spectators and customers, but be creating a different kind of civic life. And I'm actually hopeful that in the end, this bottom-up renewal that's happening in the United States is going to outrun and outpace and outlast the top-down toxic polarization that's happening in national politics. I'm giving every bit of energy I have to trying to be part of the bottom-up renewal of civic spirit, civic responsibility, civic literacy and power. And- uh, because I'm always in the company of other people who are doing that, I'm hopeful.
0: Eric Liu, thank you so much for joining
2: us. Amy, thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation.
0: That's Eric Liu, CEO of Citizens University and Executive Director of the Aspen Institute's Citizen and American Identity Program. And if you want to know how you can make change and become a local leader, well, we'll leave on this piece of advice from
2: Eric Liu Join a club. Like it doesn't matter. Like it can be a gardening club, it can be a baseball club, it can be a anti-homelessness club. Join a club. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, visit
0: wnyc.org/election.